Hey folks, welcome back. This is Andy and this is the Four Pros Almanac. Today, we get to talk to someone that I've been excited to talk to for a while, Naomi from Means TV. If you're not familiar with Means TV, it's the world's first worker-owned post-capitalist streaming device. Now, you may have seen them on Instagram or Twitter or even Facebook, but what they're doing is far bigger than just social media. What they've been able to develop is a viable alternative to our traditional understanding of what needs to be in place for a media ecosystem to exist. Building on the conversations we've had so far in this mini-series, we talk about what the future looks like for Means TV and left media as a whole. I think you guys are going to really enjoy this conversation, and as always, we look forward to hearing your feedback. Naomi, thanks so much for coming on. Could you please introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm happy to be here. My name is Naomi Burton. I'm co-founder of Means TV. We're the world's first worker-owned streaming service. It's awesome. This is like one of those things I feel like you see on the internet, like on the left book or whatever, like people are like, oh, we should do this. And then no one ever does it. So I, I think it's really cool that you actually did it. Even before we get into like a lot of the more interesting stuff, I, I want to hear a little bit about like what that process was like. Sure. Yeah, it was. I mean, it really started with me being miserable at my job. And at the same time, I was radicalizing in my politics So me and my partner, Nick, were living and working in Detroit at the time. I worked for a PR agency that did social media strategy for big global companies. So my client was General Motors. So I was basically creating social media strategy for GM, for the CEO, just kind of soul-sucking work as I was realizing that I was a communist. And (laughs) And that goes over really well. Yeah, it does. They love it. So yeah, and my, my, my partner, Nick, was a freelance film producer for General Motors. And so one day we were in the car on the way to a DSA meeting in Detroit, and there were a few of us in the car and we realized Nick made the commercials for GM. Another person in the car made all the apps for GM, and I was doing all the PR to push out all of those products that they were making. And we were like, holy shit, we're the means of production. We are the ones that hold <laughs> a lot of the power in this company, even though we're treated like shit. And it was like, that was a moment where it really clicked. That was like, I do have some valuable skills that benefit these capitalist companies. And maybe I could take those and apply them to my politics. And so Nick and I decided to start Means of Production, which was a worker-owned production company. We did ads for local unions, immigration groups, we started doing some ads for socialists around the country. And that was like right after Bernie had lost in 2016. And so there were a lot of different politicians around the country running as socialists. And so we figured, okay, we have these skills. Let's try to do something with it. One of the ads we made was for Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and it blew her up and that blew us up. And all of a sudden we were being interviewed by like CNN, MSNBC, and all these places. And they were trying to figure out what made this ad so special. How Was it the colors? Was it her shoes? Was it her hair color? <laughs> and we kept on saying it's the politics that allows us to create really good content because we aren't lying through our teeth. Like, you know, we had been with all this other propaganda we were making for these corporations. And so we spent the rest of that year in 2018 creating ads for different socialists, Kaniela Ng in Hawaii and different socialists around the country. And 
It got us a pretty large audience on social media, but it also taught us that there are limitations to electoral politics and working within that realm. And so at that time, we we're also developing this idea of a worker-owned streaming service. And I even remember talking to people at, the, at you know around that time, and no one knew what a streaming service was. Like there was pretty much like Netflix and then HBO, but people weren't really using that term. So I would say a Netflix, but for the left, a Netflix for the left. And it's so nice to not have to, to that people know what streaming services are, that I don't have to constantly be referring to Netflix. But we used that audience that we had grown from those socialist candidate videos and that spotlight we had gotten on a national level from media to launch a fundraising campaign for Means TV. The idea being it was a worker-owned anti-capitalist streaming service, no ads, no venture capitalists funded by us and owned by the workers. And the idea also being that entertain all entertainment is political. Um, and right now we're just absorbing entertainment made by a couple of rich guys to maintain the status quo. And what would entertainment look like if it was actually made by working people? And so for the rest of 2019, we fundraised for Means TV. We put out explainer videos like why bosses suck and why work sucks and about eco-socialism and socialist feminism and trying to kind of put some of these ideas out there to people that all this stuff is connected. And by the end of the year, we had raised a little over $200,000 and we used all of that to build the platform that's Means TV and to license some content, so movies, documentaries, a few TV series, and then also to start our own original productions, which is really what we were interested in doing. So we launched Means TV on February 26th of 2020. We had an original news show, an original sports show, an original video game show, and then a smattering of really incredible documentaries like Abby Martin's Gaza Fights for Freedom, which no other streaming service would pick up because it's about Palestinian resistance against Zionist Israel. And it was an incredible moment that we, yeah, we had fundraised off of small dollar donations. We launched Thousands of people signed up to subscribe, which was the only way we were sustaining ourselves were individual subscriptions. And now two years later, our worker cooperative has grown to 70 members. We have thousands of subscribers that sustain it. Our daily news show, our new show has gone from weekly to daily. So it's really incredible to be here two years later. And yeah, that's kind of the story of start to current. That's awesome. Yeah, it's just like one of those things, like I said, that I feel like I've heard people say a million times, like, we need this, we need this. But it's like, all right, who's going to actually go and do it? And like your story about like working in that industry, just like really hit home for me being an accountant and doing taxes and dealing with all these super rich people just being like, how do I get out of paying taxes? And it's like, well, there's these legal loopholes specifically for you because of like all of these X, Y, Z, you know, this long history of like manipulation and it's just like, at what, you know, what's the alternative if that's like the world you work within? And how do you translate that into something that aligns with your politics, which can be really difficult? I'm just I'm happy that somebody did it. I'm happy you guys have made some real good inroads. And it's cool to see people that I've seen like on YouTube, like get picked up by you guys and be able to I don't know if you want if I can ask about like how that works a little bit, like if somebody is a YouTube creator and they want to work with you guys. Could you talk a little bit about that? 
Yeah, absolutely. All of our content, everything on Means TV is anti-capitalist in nature. And that it, a lot of times people think that means it's news or it's overtly political, but that just means that there needs to be some critique of capitalism in the content. And so we had, yeah, people on YouTube who started reaching out to us saying, I really, the idea of a workaround streaming service is something I've been waiting for and wanting and wanting to join up and be a part of the cooperative. And really our cooperative members watch the content and we decide whether that kind of fits into what we want. And from there, we, you know, license that content and then they become a part of the cooperative. And so every time they upload a video to YouTube, it also gets uploaded to Means TV. And some benefits are there are no ads on Means TV. Of course, that's how a lot of YouTubers are able to make their money. So that's no fault to them. But it's nice to be able to watch some of this content, especially because it's all anti-capitalist without ads screaming at you every two minutes. Sure. But yeah, it's really people just reach out. They DM us or they email us. And that's been the same way if someone has a documentary or has an idea for a show, they just reach out to us. And we're a pretty small cooperative. So it's like me answering the contact email and someone else answering the the tweets and we just kind of converse among us and figure out if it fits and then they're welcomed into the cooperative. Awesome. Like I said, you have pulled a lot of stuff from YouTube, which I think by definition means that the content you deliver is a little bit different than like a traditional streaming service anywhere else where it's not structured the way like if you get Disney Plus or whatever and it's like, okay, you can watch like seasons one through 20 of Mickey Mouse Clubhouse or you know, whatever it might be. You don't have that kind of content. Now, is that just because of the state you're in right now as a startup, basically, at this point still? Or is that a part of the structure and the organic nature of what you're doing as like a, a way to critique how content is created? We do have a lot of YouTube content, but we also have a lot of original productions. So like we have our daily news show, Means Morning News. We have Seize the Memes with Teenage Stepdad, which was an original art show that we created with an incredible meme artist, Teenage Stepdad. Preserving Worlds, which was an original series that we put out about archiving digital worlds of the past. And again, all from an anti-capitalist perspective. So it really varies. It's definitely a nice place for people who only have YouTube as a platform to disperse their content, to know that there is another platform that if their videos get taken down, like Crackhead Barney and Friends is another creator we work with. Their content is taken down all the time for nudity or all sorts of kind of bogus marks that you don't have any chance really to make your case to YouTube beyond like trying to submit an appeal. And usually they say no. And so it has been a place where I feel like a lot of YouTube creators have seen our stuff isn't going to be taken down. It is ad free. A lot of our YouTube content we make totally free so you can watch it whether you have a subscription to Means TV or not. But I'd say we also have a good mix of feature-length documentaries, movies, TV series, and original productions that balance out. So you aren't just watching content that you could see on YouTube. Yeah, I apologize. I didn't mean to infer that it was just YouTube. Oh, no. But I was just I was thinking more along the lines of, I guess, the way we consume traditional media versus like YouTube media is kind of, I don't want to say like erased. But like there, the way we consume it is very different because the structure, the organization, the the resources, like it's just it, they seem like different worlds. And I feel like it's very in some ways generational. Even you watch like a TV show and it's usually like nowadays in the last couple of years, even alone, 
it went from being like an episode's dropped a week to like, oh, the new season is out. Uh, like that way we relate and like understand media is just very different today. And I was wondering if you guys were thinking about how your organization kind of either challenges that or like just tries to mesh both worlds or if there's any more thought to that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I do think that like we, we cater to a younger audience and us being young people ourselves, a lot of people grew up watching YouTube and, and that is the way that they consume media. So watching like traditional TV shows are, are not satisfying. So I feel like we, we really try, I mean, a lot of our original content, it's episodic, but like our new show is 20 minutes long. It used to be an hour and we realized our audience really wants a 20 minute daily news show, not an hour long, you know, CBS Sunday morning type show. And so we're always kind of trying to figure out, yeah, how to make content that appeals to the most people. But again, we have like such a variety of content on the platform that you can watch kind of like, like Crackhead Barney and Friends. Most of their episodes are two and a half minutes long. They originally started on TikTok and Instagram. So it's really fast and in your face. Johnny Wanzer is also a great example of a creator on our platform from Vermont, does very like specific local politics videos, but they're very kind of TikTok in the way that they're stylized. But then we have other shows, like a variety of other shows that are hour long shows that you'd see on maybe a, a cable news station other than the anti-capitalist part of it. <laughs> So it is kind of figuring out like, what do people want to watch? Like we, at the end of the day, we want to just create content that people want to watch and that's entertaining. So we're always kind of playing with different formats and trying to figure out what works. Again, the biggest thing is like, I was at a hotel the other day and sitting through ads is like so excruciating. And you're beginning to see all the streaming service starting to incorporate ads or even incorporate product placements. And not having any of that, it allows our viewers to kind of have their guard down. You aren't always skeptical of like, is Raytheon sponsoring this? Is Monsanto sponsoring <laughs> this? And it's like in traditional yeah. TV, most times, yes, they are. So that's, I think, another approach is like people don't need to yeah, have their guard up as they watch our stuff because they know it's, it's coming from a worker-owned platform and, and there's nothing else behind it. That's awesome. The more I think about it, the more I start wondering about like how the media that you create will evolve without the input of like census groups and like accountants like myself who would say like, this is how many ads you can run before people or like, this is the, how the content needs to be delivered before you need to stop doing X, Y, Z, because you're going to reduce your return on your investment. It's going to be really interesting to see how it plays out. Yeah, we really like, and we really trust the creators who make the content. You know, us as the studio, we don't dictate much to them. And because we really trust the people who we're working with to create the content that they know would cater to the audience that they want. So that's a lot of it too, is like we give our creators a lot of freedom and they usually, you know, know better than us. So yeah. again, that's like a thing in, in traditional, you know, studios, the people at the top are dictating some of these decisions that they really shouldn't be. And I think that makes our content a lot better too. Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Poor Pearls Almanac. This is Andy reminding you that if you're looking for more content outside of the scope of the podcast or sources, recommended readings, or ways to support us, you can find that at poorproles.com. Further, we've expanded our delivery into video content on our YouTube channel, where we're able to show step-by-step -step how to do many of the processes that we talk about within the podcast. We have also started a Twitch channel 
where we platform various folks on skills from DIY mushroom production to the various methods to keep land out of the hands of developers. Again, all this can be found at poorproles.com, and we look forward to seeing you over there. So do you envision that as means continues to grow, that you'll dip your toes at all into more, I don't want to say like traditional content, but like, I don't know, like I think about like as a kid, you're probably about the same age as me watching like Roseanne. And that was like as far left as you would ever see on TV. <laughs> and it's like thinking about it today, like what you could do with that same exact storyline, but like explicitly leftist. I just would love to see that and like have like as much as I enjoy the content that you guys have having like kid friendly or like, you know, teen friendly, more accessible content, I think would be really cool in shaping future generations. Absolutely. I mean, as we grow, like we really try to invest in, we have one series called Wrinkles and Sprinkles about two cats who are radicalizing and they're two Marxist cats. And like, that's our one child series, but we're right now developing a puppet show for kids, but that is also, you know, something that would be enjoyed by adults. So as we grow, as we have more resources to be able to put toward these things, yeah, of course, we want to develop shows that appeal to the broadest audience possible. And I think Teenage Stepdad, the Seize the Memes show is a great example of something that, again, it's, yeah, it is political. And it's almost in a format you recognize. It's kind of a public access kind of Bob Ross style show. Yeah. But it's talking about meme art and kind of opening all these doors to like that anybody can be an artist, anybody with a TV or a phone or a computer or a phone can do these things. So we're definitely working on creating as much content as possible that appeals to people. And that's where like a lot of our original productions come into play. Like we started out with a news show because we knew that most people watching cable news or cable TV are watching news. Um, and so we wanted to provide something. And our news show has really been the in for a lot of people to watch the documentaries and the movies on our platform because the news format feels familiar. It's something that they take in every day anyways. So we definitely try to do that while also still creating content that's abstract and interesting too for people who don't necessarily want those traditional formats. So I think that raises a bigger question around the left media ecosystem. How does this fit into like a larger media in terms of like, is this for already radicalized people? Or do you vision it as almost like to use a metaphor that you kind of brought up, like the democratic socialists version where it's like, this is as far left as we can be socially and still like attract or at least not be like targeted and threatened. How does that thought process fit into like your bigger vision of creating this project into something people can access? Yeah, I mean, more and more, like I said, all of our content is anti-capitalist period. And while that, I think that can seem like then that's a niche group of people who would be attracted to that. I think more and more as we progress into late stage capitalism, more and more people, whether they know it or not, are anti-capitalist and they just need, whether it's news or a documentary or a TV series to reinforce those feelings that they're having, that when they flip on traditional TV, those views are kind of stamped out and you're told to just deal with the status quo. So well, like where you guys fit in terms of the like far left, mm -hmm. like kind of pragmatic left, the young Turks kind of stuff, sure. or you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, to me, it was really important that we had stuff again, that was just entertaining to watch. We have things like the humanist report means morning news, you know, kind of just 
again, political news shows that are for people who are interested, probably already somewhat radicalized. But like, I have to say, my mom was like a Bill Clinton Democrat, and she's been listening to Means Morning News for two years. And like, girls are socialists now. Like, it has <laughs> it has slowly over time helped her help turn on different lights for her. And now she's interested in watching, you know, a documentary about the Sandinistas that before, you know, she wouldn't quite understand, you know, how that's relevant to her. So I think our goal is to create, you know, we have communists on the platform, anarchists, socialists, democratic socialists, you know, those socialists, but that, that's your gateway drug. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. There are a number of ways that we kind of get people in and then all of a sudden you do, you want to watch other content and you kind of see it in, in a different light. So I'd say that's like a real benefit of having a platform where there's not just one personality or one type of politics driving it. It's anti-capitalism. And within that, there are a number of different people and pieces of content that you can consume that would appeal to kind of a wide range. And I'd say like, you know, our social media personality, which is kind of the way a lot of people, you know, we don't do any sort of advertising or anything. So a lot of the way people hear about us is through social media is, you know, we are overtly political. And I think that can turn some people off and that's okay. But I do think that, yeah, as we sink deeper and deeper into post late stage capitalism, it's just more and more people are realizing like this system, it doesn't work. And that maybe it is work, you know, maybe consuming different kinds of media, you know, helps me kind of understand this world differently. I'd say we kind of, we really try to like have a full span of, of different content for different people and try not to scare people off, but also have content that isn't, is unapologetically anti-capitalist and that you aren't confused when you walk away from the morning news show, as far as what our perspective is on it. And, you know, we'll certainly never have like both sides of the coin. We aren't going to have like ca- a capitalist on means morning. <laughs> Herman Cain's not coming on. <laughs> yeah. I've been, you know, surprised at, you know, how many moms and dads listen to the Means Morning News podcast. And again, just start to think about things differently, which is our goal. I have to ask. So we've been talking about this idea of creating this media ecosystem for the left. And how do you see that it's possible to compete like on a larger scale? You know, when we look at TV shows, like I'll just pick on like Modern Family, like a generic ABC, like family sitcom. How do you compete in terms of like the capital investment to make a production value that's like, well, I could watch Means TV or I could watch this. And I think maybe not so much for younger generations, but for older generations, that quality in terms of the delivery is still going to be important in the way they're able to access it and feel like it's worth watching. So like, is there really a barrier to making that quality content as you might think? Or is it more because of the hands that are involved that are all taking their part? I mean, the people at the top of Netflix making a billion dollars a year are certainly taking like, you know, it, yeah, it, it, production is really expensive, like so expensive. And it's really important for us as a work cooperative that we pay people. We aren't a volunteer organization. We're a cooperative trying to show how this way of working is possible within entertainment, which is such an expensive industry, but also one that's just dominated by rich people. It's just about growing the cooperative. You know, we've been able to, for the last two years, we're profitable. 
We, I think, did six original productions last year, including a handful of TV shows that were really high quality and interesting. And like, yeah, they may not look exactly like Modern Family, but at the same time, you know, our test is always like, will I sit through this whole thing? Can I watch this entire series? And if I can't, because the quality isn't good enough, then we don't, we don't put it on means TV. So it is important to us from the get-go to have kind of a standard of quality across the board so that no one's watching it for charity, that you're watching it because you're entertained by it. And I totally understand wanting to go to Netflix and watch any one of those TV shows that have millions upon millions of dollars to be able to produce. And the likelihood of means TV having the amount of money Netflix has probably isn't real because in honesty, Netflix functions in debt. It's like they have a $10 billion budget, but they're functioning in debt all the time. So even the idea, like I used to, I used to think that too, how are we ever going to compete with a Netflix or with, you know, cable TV? And it's like, they're under capitalism. They don't, their numbers aren't real. Like we're, I think now I really look at us as we are too small to fail. Like we continue doing the work. We continue building out this cooperative and bringing more members into it and different kinds of content. And more and more people are subscribing and we just keep going. And eventually we'll get to the point where we have a lot more resources and, and a lot of people working on things. And But I've even been amazed in the last two years, how much progress we've been able to make, how many people have subscribed to the project I think we'll get there, but I've really changed my mentality as far as like, how will I compete with these capitalist giants? Cause it's like, you know, four companies own like all the media in the U S like, it's just like, I, yeah. they function in a different world than me and whether they stay afloat or not, I don't know, you know I mean? But I think, yeah, there will always be a lot of profit for rich people to invest into media that, that you know, reinforces their worldviews. And I don't, I'm not as much looking to compete with them anymore as I am looking to create relationships within this left media space so that working with different people like the Gravel Institute and different media studios who are doing a lot of the stuff that we are, will all band together. And the resources that we're able to come up with are impressive. And again, I think it's just like, as we sink deeper and deeper into this horrific stage of capitalism, you know, people are going to want different kinds of media. And I trust that as long as we continue to build this institution, that we'll be able to grow in a way that we are able to compete with them in a way that we're able to give our comrades jobs, that people are able to leave those terrible fields and come and work for us. And that's the other thing is like media workers, so many of them are miserable. You're treated like shit when you work at some of these companies and considering how much money they have. Yeah. I mean, they treat their most valuable people like crap and you know, that can't last forever. And so I just feel like we keep on going and, and do our thing and, and it will pay off. I hope so. I think that what you're doing is really cool. It gives me hope that I'm sure you're familiar that the left, like a running joke on the left is like, can we ever like get anything actually organized and like across the finish line, especially when it comes to like quasi marketplace solutions. Yeah. We're really good at setting up protests and setting up like medic stands. We're not very good at like setting up cooperatives and things like that. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, you know, when we started, like I said, we're the world's first workaround streaming service. So it's like there, 
was no template under capitalism, especially in the United States. It's like no one was going to give us a loan. We weren't looking for it, but no venture capitalists are knocking down our door <laughs> to help us. And so it's really hard to understand just how to run a business. It's difficult. And that's why a lot of businesses fail is it's just the bureaucracy involved in it is really hard. And it gets even harder when you're a worker cooperative in a hyper-capitalist country. So I don't blame anybody for not being able to do it. It's a miracle we've been able to do it. And it's because we've had so many people buy into the project and lend their expertise. But it's, it's fucking difficult. It's, it's not an easy task. So for folks that are maybe on the fence about building a cooperative or anything like that, is there any advice you'd give in particular? One, I would say if you and three others you know or two others you know want to do it, that's where you start is you find two or three other people who also buy into that idea and start that way. Don't worry about being legally a cooperative, just start an LLC, start reading about how worker cooperatives function differently. Like it took me a really long time working in corporate America to like undo all the garbage I learned about hierarchy and how to work and all of that kind of stuff. But it was through working with my comrades that I really learned the benefits of being in a worker cooperative. So I'd say find two or three other people who want to do the same thing, start doing it. We're members of the U.S. Federation of Worker Cooperatives, and they've been so helpful in connecting us with lawyers who are well-versed in cooperative law and different experts who kind of help us understand what your board of directors should look like and what your bylaws should look like. And all of that stuff was so intimidating to me at first. Um, And they really helped us kind of connect to different people who could help us navigate that. But I'd say you just start with two or three other people who believe in wanting to say, create a worker-owned printing studio or, you know, whatever, a worker-owned dog walking service, start that way. And like that in itself is revolutionary. And from there, connect with other worker cooperatives, but just know that like, yeah, in the United States, like there's just not, you know, in other countries, they provide money for worker cooperatives who are starting up. And in the United States, like they don't, they aren't interested in helping worker co-ops. So it's really like, it's a learning process, but I would say, yeah, just finding like-minded people. The U S Federation of worker cooperatives is also a great resource. Naomi, for folks that haven't watched Means TV before, where can they find you guys and what are your socials? Yeah, so they can go to means.tv. We're also available. We have an app on Apple app, an Android app. Our socials, Twitter is means underscore TV. We're on Instagram, it's means TV. TikTok, means TV. YouTube, means TV. Our Means Morning News show also has its own Twitter, MMN on Means TV. Find us on any of those. Another important thing is our $10 a month subscriptions sustain us, but we offer pay what you can subscriptions year round to anybody who needs it, including $0. So if you can't pay the $10 a month, but you want to watch Means TV, reach out to us, DM us, email us at contact at means.media, and we'll get you set up. If you say, I can't pay anything, I can pay a dollar, $2, anything helps. And also viewership helps. So Uh, We encourage everyone to check it out and, yeah, see what we're all about. Awesome. Naomi, this has been great. Thanks so much, Andy. I really appreciate it.